My name is Karen McGann. I am a filmmaker from London and I directed Reframed Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe knew that she was more than just a pretty face. She wanted control of her own destiny. It's frustrating that people can't think about her in terms of her intellect. Marilyn challenges what it means to have agency as a woman. This is Factual America. We're brought to you by Alamo Pictures, an Austin and London-based production company, making documentaries about America for international audiences. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week I watch a hit documentary and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. This week it is my pleasure to welcome acclaimed documentary filmmaker Karen McGann, one of the directors of the CNN docuseries Reframed, Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe almost requires no introduction. The iconic star of the silver screen still resonates with the viewing public even 60 years after her untimely death. But do we need to rethink her legacy or how she's been portrayed? Karen certainly thinks so. Stay tuned and learn how Marilyn Monroe may have been a feminist trailblazer well ahead of her time. Karen, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you? Things are very well and thank you for having me. It's uh, surprisingly bright and sunny in London today. That's nice. Uh, I'm I'm up north, but it's bright and sunny here too. Uh, I think we're uh, we're all th- foolishly thinking spring is on its way. Yeah. Um, but uh, again, want to thank you for coming on to uh, Factual America. The film is uh, reframed. Marilyn Monroe released uh, in January 2022. Uh, it's a CN- CNN docuseries. Um, I gather people can. People in the U.S. or listeners in the U.S. can uh, watch it on whatever CNN streaming service. Is that right? And when when might it be released uh, more widely? Um, We don't have details on when it might be released more widely, but I believe there is a plan for that to happen so that there will be a European release at some time or a a global release. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the moment, um, it's just in in America and it's viewers who are based in the United States who have access to it. But we're very hopeful. And I think there is a larger audience for this as well. I think it's kind of globally relevant. So I'm very hopeful. Yeah, I think uh, I think I know there's a portion of the docuseries that even goes into that a bit that shows how uh, how she made a splash internationally. Um, So uh, as I referred to, already said she, um, and it's kind of an odd question to ask about someone who's so iconic, but uh, in terms of your film or your docuseries, what is Reframed Marilyn Monroe all about? We think we know the story of Marilyn Monroe. We think we know who she is. She's the greatest icon of the 20th century in many ways. And we have a very fixed point of view of her. And this documentary was about um, looking at her story from a, fee- from a more feminist point of view and kind of uh, dismantling the myth, really. Mm. I think there is this view of her that's widely held, that she was this tragic victim, that yeah. she was a passive person who was kind of used and abused by men, that she was exploited. Um, and... You know, we when we do that, we deny a re- we deny someone a personality. We deny them a character, and we deny them a sense of their own agency. And I think that was really what the film was about—to kind of shift the shift the angle a little bit and mm. look at her story with fresh eyes, and look at it within the context of the 21st cent- century as well, and 
everything we've experienced in the last four or five years with the Me Too movement and just going, there is another version of her story and you don't know it. So let's explore that a little bit. There's another kind of perspective on this that isn't Marilyn, the, the tragic victim. She's a much more complex a much more interesting character. And in exploring her, her story, we kind of explore the story of what it means to be a woman as well. Mm. Um, and that mm. was kind of very much the impetus behind it. I think, uh, well, I, I completely agree. Uh, I've seen all four episodes and I, I certainly opened my eyes to, to some things. Um, I mean, from your own personal perspective, before we go into some of these, these myths and uh, maybe go and try to right the wrongs. Uh, what were your, I mean, what were your impressions going in? Did you, I mean, I mean, maybe growing up, you maybe, we all had different impressions of Marilyn Monroe and then even going into this project. Did you, did you see her as much of this as a feminist icon as you did um, after doing all these interviews and research? I was um, surprised at my ignorance, really, and resp- yeah. was surprised by how little I really knew about her. And I don't think that's unusual. You know, I think I, I'd always liked her. I thought she was, you know, extraordinary as a presence, you know, her sense of um, her ability to kind of capture the camera and to, to kind of inhabit a character on screen, I admired hugely. But I think I didn't really have a sense of her agency at all. You know, and I think I'd swallowed, you know, we, we absorb things culturally in a very unconscious way. We don't even realize we're doing it. And it wasn't like I didn't respect and like her. It's just I hadn't thought to question what I believed I knew about her. And, mm-hmm. and it was a fascinating process, really, to then to then try and kind of erase all of those preconceptions and to kind of take on board her story through different eyes. Because I think it doesn't matter if you're male or female, you know, like I said, we absorb these kind of messages in our culture and we don't even realize we're doing it. And that was what was so fascinating about the process as well. And not only does it awaken your awareness in terms of this single story, but it's, it has a reverberating effect in that it awakens your awareness about lots of things that you may have, messages you, we, you may have received and mm-hmm. how you perceive stories. And I think for a filmmaker, that's a really fantastic thing to be aware of and go, hold on a second. Yeah. You know, do I really understand the story? Do I interrogate, you know, that process yep. of interrogation and questioning about what we believe is the truth or mm. what really happened. Um, so, so it was a really uh, like wonderful process and very enriching as well, you know, to try and kind of, and, and very, um, you know, there is sadness in her story, but there's an invigorating side to it as well. You know, and you look at kind of you know, everything, her sent everything in that first episode, for example, you know, mm-hmm. this, this extraordinarily, extraordinary will you know this person who basically come from nothing who just kept on going and wouldn't take so no for an answer and was inventive and smart and then clever and strategic in how Mm -hmm. she tried to find a way into an industry that you know was not naturally open to her and i found that fascinating and very inspiring actually um i mean i think you raise a very good point i mean i think both of you and I were born long after she unfortunately passed away. But uh, 
just growing up, you pick up on these these narratives that uh, almost become caricatures of themselves and even yeah. part of even, I don't know, uh, just just the social milieu, if, if you will. I mean, but you bring up, uh, I think, uh, uh, some inter- uh, just just there, a very interesting point, this sort of strategic view that she had. I mean, I, I, you could kind of go through the myths. I mean, isn't one myth is that she was this passive player in the story of her life? And then what you, you find is that actually she was anything but yeah. uh, that type of person. I mean, maybe you can say a little bit more about how she knew to cl- tried to climb the corporate ladder of the studio system and she knew how to play the game and 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 really did have a strategic view of her career absolutely i mean she um you know the first rung on the ladder in hollywood terms was a was being a contract player with one of the big studios mm. and basically if you're a contract player you know your options were limited in some ways but it was the first rung of the ladder you were bit parts walk on parts in movies you know, but what she did from the beginning was um, she found a way, she worked extraordinarily hard. She found a way to um, kind of make friends with everyone within the studio system. She was arriving there very early in the morning. She was speaking to the press department. She was speaking to costume. She was speaking to, and this isn't necessarily in the film, but this is background. Um, and we have like a, a very... You know, we, we nod a, our, our, we tip our cap to this, mm. but she um, was very actively trying to better herself, better her acting, mm-hmm. understanding how to use, how to um, interact with the camera, um, understanding how to basically, when opportunity knocked, to step up. One really good example of her sense of agency and kind of really, and her smarts as well, is... Um, in how she acquired her name. The conventional narrative is big studio boss gives her this name and she is then from that point branded. You know, she's got no sense of agency and no investment in that name. And she's, you know, she is essentially, uh, her identities are removed in in, in a way. Mm. But while the Marilyn part was a suggestion from the studios, the Monroe parts, was from her because her mother's um, maternal name was Monroe. And I think it's just a really interesting choice that she made. She wanted something of herself. She wanted something of her own identity that she was bringing to the party. And it's that. And I think it's striking as well. It's her mother's maiden name. And I I find that really compelling. So from the beginning, she's got a really, she's a stakeholder in her name. She's not passively receiving it. She's going, no, I want this. Yeah. And I just feel that's a really striking mm. kind of example of how she, um, yes, she did what the studio wanted her to do, but she found a way, I think, to do it that um, gave her a sense of agency and investment, you know, yeah. that wasn't passive. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, I mean, and putting even more in perspective, she was only, what, 19, 20 years old yeah. when this is happening. Yeah. So she's, so it's not even like, oh, she goes through this whole process for 10 years being the uh, yeah. sort of, um, as you say, studio bit player and going through the uh, all the hoops and that you have to go through. But she, mm-hmm. from the very beginning, recognized that she had, she at least had the ability to, um, she had leverage. Basically. She had leverage. Yeah. yeah, she had leverage. And which strikes me is that another kind of 
get to a point is that she strikes in all this she strikes us as very intelligent mm-hmm. and yet what would be the 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 narrative we all kind of grew up with which is that she's this blonde bombshell airhead right yeah and that she played a lot of those characters yes. but because that's what the studio system gave her in many ways mm-hmm. but uh you know she's going to the actor's studio um yeah. i mean I, I think it's great you got ellen burston on on there she's yes. doing amazingly well in her for a woman in her late 80s amazing. And, uh, yeah. and, and a classic i mean amazing actress but yeah. uh, so maybe we could say about i mean she was not you know she's she's not just um as one of your uh, talking heads says she's not just tna she's not just yeah. you know she is she is a an actress and a, and a damn good one mm. she absolutely is and the, i think one of the main things that we were exploring in the series as well is you know marilyn monroe was a persona that she developed as well. You know, she developed this persona. Um, she did the dumb, dumb blonde act, but it was just that. It was the dumb blonde act. And she knew that this was something that an audience wanted. And she she presented them with it. And, and it was very hard because she had, but she had enormous natural intelligence, mm. was a very naturally witty person as well extremely curious she read widely from a young age um and there's like a, a lovely list where you can kind of see online i'm sure um it's really readily available all the books that were in Marilyn's library and you can just go through kind of the list of authors james joyce dotsayevsky you know uh you know all the great kind of 20th century um figures of literature are there and she had that natural curiosity and that was from a very young age and that was pre-Arthur Miller as well I think one of the myths as well is like oh when she got with Arthur Miller that that's when this kind of you know trying Mm. the more serious side came that's simply not true Mm. um so she had this very active natural intelligence she wasn't widely educated she wasn't well educated but she was very curious and I think her wit is something that is um underappreciated as well. She had great natural wit um, and she was able to uh, perform very well in interviews. You know, she could, uh, she understood how to give enough of herself, but not too much. She understood how to be charming. She understood how to be um, evasive as well. And, And I think, you know, I think we get confused and we all get confused with the with the Marilyn Mo- Monroe persona and, and who she kind of was as a person as well. You know, I think actors, actresses, performers, you know, there is the public self. There is often a gap between the public self and the private self. And I think there was with Marilyn as well. Hmm. And you I think in the in one of the episodes you talk uh, as you I think you've already mentioned she was um, hanging out with people in the publicity department and yeah. she, she really seemed to understand the public and what the public yeah. wanted and I think that's a good example of these whole the whole situation with the nude photos that came out mm-hmm. yeah. and the studio wanted her to say one thing and she just I mean it was it's it's quite amazing for the time she could have easily said okay I'll, I'll apologize or it's not me but she came out and just said no and I'm actually not ashamed of what I've done yeah yeah, and I think that's yet another example as well as, well, if she was this passive victim who was basically controlled by by the men around her, by the studios, she would have said yes and she would have denied because her career, she was very early in her career at that point, you know, and it could have been, you know, the kiss of death, but she had enough wherewithal and I think she, 
she had enough foresight as well to know that and enough self-possession too to go no I'm not going to refuse it that's not mm. a smart thing to do but also I don't want to mm. um, and I think it was a punt on her part and I think she managed to you know she was very media savvy she mm. arranged that interview with Flora Belmuir right. where she you know can had this confessional where she kind of revealed all this information studio didn't want her to do it but she understood how to get the story out there in a way that was likely to be a little bit more sympathetic to her mm. you know and I don't think that was extremely smart and we talk about her awareness of her image and I think you know it's one of the things that um is said in the documentaries, I think Amber Tamblyn and, and Mira Sorvino mm. both mentioned this, her ability to understand how to brand herself and how to present herself is extraordinarily modern. You know, mm. it is extraordinarily modern. Well, it's even, I mean, uh, think about, because uh, there's this period in her life where she sort of escapes to New York City, if that's possible, if you can mm. escape to New York City. But, uh, and then with the Greens and... She, you know, she's she's subject of some bad press and things, and so you know, she didn't have a PR firm. She's her no. own. She's her own PR firm, and she re orchestrates this interview with Edward R. Murrow, who, yeah. for listeners don't know, is like the inter in the U.S. was well, I was like talking to God basically yeah. back back then, and and so it's straight from her their house and everything, and that that's just a PR genius. It is. It is. And I think people don't give her credit for that, but that was all her. She did not have a team of people advising her, yeah. you know, um, she was kind of the kind of key figure in, in all of this and her relationships, she had strong relationships with the press. And, you know, I think I don't want to paint her as this kind of saintly kind of, no, you know, cause I think that's been potentially one of the criticisms kind of of the series as well. But you know, I think what we were doing was trying to kind of go, look, there's another way of seeing all of this. And these are all the things that you don't know. Mm. And it's yeah. not about arguing. It's not about, it's not a conventional documentary and presenting kind of right. two sides right. of the story. Right. It's, it's very deliberately telling you there's another version to this story. And the cast of characters and the women that we spoke to, they are choosing to look at Marilyn, reassess mm her motivations with this new information and from this new perspective, um, you know, but she is still a human being who makes mistakes as well. And, and yeah, I, I hope yeah. there's a little bit of that in the documentary too. It's not meant to be a hagiography, but it is meant to kind of redress a pretty unfair um, mm. uh, imbalance that exists around her as a personality, as a character, as an icon. I think that brings us to a good point to uh, give our listeners um, a short break here. We'll be right back with Karen McGann, one of the directors of Reframed, Marilyn Monroe, the CNN docuseries released last month. If you enjoy Factual America, check out the Movie Maker podcast. That's all one word, Movie Maker. Where our friends at MovieMaker.com interview everyone from filmmakers just breaking in to A-listers like David Fincher and Edgar Wright about their movie-making secrets and behind-the-scenes tricks of the trade. They go deep and let the guests speak uninterrupted to get you the most film insight. Now back to Factual America. 
Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with acclaimed filmmaker Karen McGann, one of the directors of Reframed, Marilyn Monroe, a CNN docuseries released last month. Uh, You in the States can still find it on the CNN streaming services. And the rest of you, just be on the lookout for it. It should be coming out globally in the near future. Um, Karen, we were talking about what you, you know, you didn't want, don't want the film to be a hagiography. She wasn't perfect. Um, maybe that's while we're still kind of looking at how, uh, and the, and the, and the, the women, um, experts and subjects you talk to and how they see Marilyn and how we're kind of this, this new, I shouldn't say new, but maybe a, a different way than certainly what many of us have been shown over the years. Um, uh, I mean, there was this, I guess there's this also this element to the story of, you know, men took advantage of her, um, misused her, yet, um, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say any more, but it's not so much she flipped the power dynamic, maybe, but I mean, I think she kind of, this, there's more to this as well. It's not that she was just some, uh, some victim, yet, you know, she obviously got into some some situations that we're all kind of well aware of. Uh, do, do you want to say something on that? Sure. Um, I think it's complicated. And I think yeah. people, you know, people are nuanced and contradictory and complex. And she is no different. But I think with a f- person like, when you become a star on the level that Marilyn is, you start to become a character in a story that's created by other people. Mm. And when we tell stories, we simplify often. We lose Mm. uh, subtlety. We have to focus in on a particular characteristic in order to kind of tell the story. And I think that's what's happened with Marilyn. I don't think, yes, she had some pretty destructive kind of relationships, unhealthy relationships. Was she uh, a victim of men sometimes? Maybe, you know, that's, yes. But I don't think, it doesn't mean that she is this, she is a victim, that is her character. You know, in, in all our lives, there are times where we suffer, there are times where we don't, there are times where we're victims, there are times where we're not. And I think it's just a convenient, it's been a very convenient story. And I think a lot of it's come simply from, um, well, a lot of it has come from kind of the uh, relationship that she had with um, JFK. Yeah. The nature of that relationship, the relationship that she may or may not have had with his brother, Robert. And I think there's such a, what you have here is, you know, the clash of two great kind of, 20th century American icons, mm. you know, the, the dynasty of the Kennedy family and the kind of, you know, the huge uh, kind of character of Marilyn and persona of Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And when you bring through these forces together, well, you've got to tell a story. And I think there's, I think in the time as well, thinking about a married president, it's yeah. easier to make the story about B, he rejected her. And the fact is, I don't know that we know the truth because there are so many different versions of the story. Um, well, I, I, if, you don't mind, if you don't mind if I interrupt there, I mean, it, it, I, I think that's a very good point because I, what I liked about 
is you don't dwell on it. I mean, you know, let's face it, there could be whole, I'm sure people have done whole shows just about this. And it's because of, because of what you said, because of the iconic president and the iconic Hollywood um, star. But um, it it does seem, I mean, I I think what you you seem to show is like you say, we don't know for sure what happened, but you kind of make it sound like it's not what we've been necessarily led to believe it was. Is that safe to say? It is. And I think one of the, you know, one of our interviewees who's also a consultant on the series, um, uh, Sarah Churchwell, she wrote a very interesting book called The Many Lives of Marilyn Monroe, which in many ways was a great inspiration for this series because she was doing just that. She was looking at the story of Marilyn and shifting, shifting the lens. Um, It's a very, very rigorously researched, dense, um, brilliant book. And she kind of looks at uh, this narrative around JFK and Marilyn and says, you know, a lot of it is to do with kind of, you know, contemporaneous attitudes towards women. Mm. You know, could anyone believe that that Marilyn was the person who may have not taken this relationship seriously. Because there are, there are reports from the time that she had conversations with close friends who just said, I'm not in love with him, I'm just having fun. Yeah. But that doesn't fit the story, you know, because yeah. of course she would want to be in love with the handsome president. And of right. course he would right. then reject her. Yeah. So it's just another way of looking at the story because there is there are there is evidence there that suggests it wasn't so. It's yeah. just it doesn't fit with the narrative, yeah. so yeah. it's been excluded. Yeah. And you know, it, it, those stories exist, and and those comments, you know, were made by her. But it doesn't it doesn't fit to think that she didn't fall in love with the president, who mm. was you know, it's Camelot, yeah. and he's King Arthur. So yeah. And and then this also ties into her untimely death, I guess, as as yeah. well, which um, I thought was interesting. Um, you have her; it's amazing. You get uh, one of her close friends is still mm-hmm. with us, uh, Amy Green, yeah. who um, she says it's not a conspiracy. It's not the Kennedys. It wasn't anything else. It was just an accidental death. She forgot she had taken a load of sleeping pills, and so she took a second dose. Is that what you? believe as well or yeah i think it was an accident yeah Yeah. you know the fact is we don't know we don't really know what happened but you know there are so many conspiracy theories around it there are so many stories and i think all of that it's about feeding you know a cultural need for the narrative to be a certain way because she's not a person anymore she's a character in 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 a bigger story and i do think from everything i've read from people I've spoken to, I think Amy kind of said it. I think she, there is no doubt that she had a a drug problem, that she was addicted yep. to medication. There is no doubt that that had a huge impact on her life. And I think the most likely explanation is that, exactly as Amy said, she took the pills, she forgot to take the pills, and she took some more. Mm. I don't think she was murdered. Like this is my opinion, you know, yeah. just. I don't exactly. think she was murdered. I don't think there's a giant conspiracy. I think it's a very sad accident. Yeah. And I don't think she did it deliberately. Yeah. And and we, and it's it's a shame too because it's been amazing to see how she would have yeah. her career would have progressed because I, um, well, we'll talk some more about the actual making of the film. But I, I do find certainly the photos that you include. And you have some amazing archives and stuff. It's uh, 
it's it's amazing even those latter years in her life i mean she's only in her late 30s but yeah. but but you know how she is herself maturing and mm-hmm. uh, um so in that sense as much as there is this narrative it's a tragedy and that's how all this kind of plays in it in that sense it is it is a tragedy cuz she yeah. she died way too soon um how did this project call come about if we can pivot uh to that um this project was developed by a, a production company in london called raw and mm. they had developed the project and the executive producer sam starbuck who i'd known from many years ago um when we were both working for the BBC she was looking for female directors because it feels like you need to tell this story you need to have women tell this story yeah. and um she asked me and uh, another lady called um very great director called Grace Chapman who yeah. uh did the second and third episodes of the series i did the first and the and the fourth episode um i'm very glad that i did because they're the stories that i'm there was something quite beautiful about being there at the beginning of her mm. life and being there at the end. And then Grace kind of um, was focused on kind of the movie years really and kind of exploring exploring that. But she um, got us both involved. And um, I, I think speaking for myself, and I'm sure I, am, I think Grace has a similar point of view. Mm. I wasn't interested in just doing another Marilyn Monroe biography. The reason why this was interesting was because it was trying to tell a slightly different story and beyond you know there is the it is about Marilyn Monroe but i think there's a subtext and maybe maybe a quite obvious kind of agenda in the film as well which is to look at how we as a society have viewed women mm. and kind of the boxes that we both both men and women that yeah. we put ourselves in and and that was a really kind of key thing about the project and I know it was something that Sam and Raw were keen to kind of um, extract and communicate it was something CNN I know were very kind of keen to mm. have um, underpinning the series as well it's not simply about it is about Marilyn but there are lessons that we can learn from the story about how we treat women how we view women how we uh what we foist upon women in terms of our ex- expectations and preconceptions. Mm. And because of who she is, she's such a lightning rod for all mm. of that, you know, and that was really kind of what was attractive about the project for all of us involved. Mm. And was part of that as well was, I mean, you have audio of her speaking, mm-hmm. which is, and not just yeah. from her films. It was, was that, has, has that been heard before or because I think that would, was that new access that, uh, had been gained or it, it's, it wasn't exclude I think there are probably I don't think another documentary has used it to mm. series has used to the extent that we have used it yeah. and that was a very you know it's it's quite difficult going how do you give we wanted to give her a voice basically because right. a voice is the thing she's been deprived of in her own story and so we were really keen to just use this material as much as possible to give her 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 actual voice and so that was from the beginning it was trying to find all those ways of bringing that content in and giving giving her a sense of presence rather than having her voice her words voiced by someone else that was something that we very deliberately didn't want to do because it felt once again you know we were creating a distance from the person and 
we're try we were it was our attempt to try and get as close as possible to her and to really mm. insert her agency kind of into the show as well because when you give someone a voice you allow them mm. to speak then they have act they have um they have more sense of activity there you you remove some of the passivity and that was important mm. and they're very striking because they play into not just play into they they are very revealing of of this of of what you've what we've already discussed about the film in terms of how she, she comes across, you know, and yeah. uh, she is not some just, uh, not, not just some dumb blonde as, yeah. as so many of us may have been led to believe uh, for many years. Um, yeah. I mean, what were the main challenges you faced in putting this doc together? I think the main challenge was trying to imbue each episode with an authentic sense of essence of who she was because we only know her through the movies and that's her, not as her. And in the few kind of interviews that she gave as well, you know, but she, but trying to actually get to the real person when, when her iconography is everywhere in our world and we yeah. have a story of her everywhere. That was the, that was the thing that I thought about most you know, trying to kind of serve what felt was true about her when mm. we only have, we have her story removed. We have her story mm. through books. We have her story through, you know, people like Amy Green, who, who mm. was one step away from her, through the voice recordings that she gave, through the few interviews. But even then, you know, you're not, you know, it's, it's still a challenge to try and kind of dismantle you know, everything you think you know about her and try and kind of present her as a living, breathing person. And I think that's one of, that was one of the trickiest things to do. And I hope we've gotten close to it, you know, to try and kind of give her, give her some of herself back, really. Yeah, yeah. And, and at least, it, certainly, at least have, uh, as you said, there's been certain ways we've seen her and now we've a different way of seeing her, at least fostering a... Um, so much a debate, but at least get people thinking about yes. who who this actually who this person was, who still yeah. looms so large even sixty years later after yes. after her passing. Yes, um, absolutely. Well, I I think we're about to. Unfortunately, we're coming to the end of our time together, uh, Karen. But I was uh, just a. Uh, I mean, uh, this is a a docu series. You uh, you seem to be heavy on docu-series do you uh is this a particular do you avoid features do you or is it just that that's the way it sort of do you like to have more time to sort of tell mm -hmm. the story is what, what draws you to docu-series i think honestly i'd love to do a feature and there have been various mm -hmm. you know uh you know i think features are hard to get off the ground honestly um but i but i think i i really enjoy the scope, the scope you get with a doc docu series. I mean, I do, I do really enjoy that. I enjoy how you can dig into a subject, and you can, you know, each episode is a chapter, so it's mm. it's got a more. It can be a bit more novelistic in yeah. terms of you can show more. You have can have more. You can have different moods. You can have mm. different. You can pull focus on different things episode to episode, and I like the journey of each episode having its own different character or its own perhaps sometimes way of telling the story. And I find that really gratifying actually. 
Um, so I do love make I do love the the, the very broad canvas that you get with the series. But um, you know, I think with the right subject, then a feature is amazing, and I'm sure I will do that at some point. It's just getting that right subject at the right time and the stars to align, you know. But um, in the meantime. You know, I'm very happy making making docu series. I think they're they're enormously gratifying. They're extraordinarily hard work as well, you know. But um, you know, you invest time. You invest a lot of time when you make a series, yeah. but and it lives with you for a long time as well. Mm. Um, but there's there's a little more scope, I think, for for experimentation actually. Okay, and then uh, speaking of all the stars aligning and everything. Uh, what is, uh, what's next for you? Um, I am in the edit on a documentary for National Geographic and Disney oh. Plus. Um, and it hasn't been announced yet. So I, um, I'll say a little bit about it, but I am um, NDA'd as most people are these days yeah. about <laughs> what you can say or not. But it's a fascinating um, look at uh, kind of uh, longevity and brain health but it's got it's rooted in a very kind of personal story. So there is a character who's um, kind of taking us through uh, the story and kind of plunging into their their own story in service of kind of a bigger science story. So I'm oh. I'm talking I'm making it sound not quite what it is, but I'm just trying to kind <laughs> of say enough but not say too much. Have you done a uh, something that's more on the sort of science direction before? No, I haven't. And and I was really surprised when they asked me to do it, but I think yeah. they wanted um, it to have a bit more of that human story into right. in it. And right. I think that was why they, they asked me. It was about allowing the science story to exist, but it really being a human story that's taking you from beginning to end and just trying to find the balance between the two. So I'm not a, a science specialist. My background is art, literature, music, films. That's kind right. of where I come yeah. from. Um, but uh, I've got great science producers helping me out on that, keeping me on the straight and narrow so I'm not misrepresenting anything. <laughs> Well, it sounds, it sounds extremely interesting. We'll certainly keep an eye out for it. And uh, uh, do you have an idea about when it might drop, when we might be seeing it? Is it is probably end of this year, I would okay. imagine. Yeah, winter. I think winter this year. Okay. Yeah. All right. But no official date just yet. Okay, well, uh, uh, listeners, please uh, keep an ear out for that. Um, well, we, are, we have come to the end of our time, uh, Karen. I just want to thank you again, Karen McGann, uh, one of the directors of Reframed, Marilyn Monroe, uh, the CNN docuseries that was released last month. So thank you so much for coming on to Factual America. It was very much appreciated. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. It's a really lovely, really lovely experience. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. It's always good to have fe immediate feedback. So I, I really <laughs> appreciate that. Uh, and hopefully if we haven't scared you off, we can have you on again sometime. It would be a it pleasure. It's my pleasure. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, Yes, enjoy the, the rest of your bright, beautiful English winter day. And you. Thanks so much, Matthew. Take care. I'd like to give a shout out to Sam and Joe Graves at Intersound Audio in Eskrick, England, in deepest, darkest Yorkshire. A big thanks to Nevin Apanovich, podcast manager at Alamo Pictures, who ensures we continue getting great guests onto the show. And finally, a big thanks to our listeners. As always, we love to hear from you, so please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas. You can reach out to us on YouTube, social media, or directly by going to our website, 
www.factualamerica.com and clicking on the Get In Touch link. And as always, please remember to like us and share us with your friends and family wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Almo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.